gotta like get myself together because that what Ryan did this this morning was man, God's spirit was flowing through. All I can say. So thanks, thanks so much for being here, Ryan, and thanks y'all for being here. Um, I'm excited to be here today. I mean, I mean, I'm always excited to be here. So I'm just a church nerd. So you have to forgive me. Um, so uh, I was thinking this this week about uh, about I think it was like five or six years ago. I got to run. The Georgetown, yes, Georgetown, Idaho, yeah, Georgetown, Idaho Springs Half Marathon. So as you might imagine, it starts out in Georgetown. There's the pretty little logo. Uh, it starts out in Georgetown, and then it goes to Idaho Springs. And it's kind of nice if you have to run 13 miles because it's all downhill, basically. So, I mean, if you're going to run 13 miles, it might as well be downhill. So it's, 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 uh, it's all, they, you park in... Uh, Idaho Springs, then they bust you up to Georgetown, and then you run all the way back down. So it's, it's like in August, but as you can imagine in the mountains, it's, it's pretty cold in the mountains, and, and I do not like being cold. Uh, this is a true story. I actually have two gym, rem- gym memberships because I do not like running in the cold. So uh, Fitness 19 right here, if you know where that is, and then I have Choose Fitness because I do not like running in the cold. Uh, we can get into that later, but... Um, so I was wearing a, a sweatshirt to keep warm, and it's actually this sweatshirt right here. Uh, so I was wearing this sweatshirt, Donna did a great job pulling it, and uh, I was wearing this sweatshirt to keep warm, and this is actually my old college sweatshirt. Um, and a funny story, this, this is the college I went to, it's Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. So, um, this is the only, this is the only real, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the only um, this is the only real souvenir I guess I have from college still. Gosh, it's been so long. But one of the reasons I've hang on to this sweatshirt, this isn't the original sweatshirt I bought, but when I was a senior in college, I visited uh, this Baptist Bible, I'm sorry, a senior in high school, I visited Baptist Bible College on a, on a you know, recruiting trip or whatever you call it, and I felt like I was, felt like I was supposed to go there. And one of the things I did is I went and bought a sweatshirt from the bookstore because I felt like, well, if I'm going to spend money on this, then that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to have to go. So I went and bought, now this is not the original sweatshirt, but I've kind of kept the sweatshirt as a reminder. So I had the sweatshirt that I kind of, kind of was fond of, and I'm up at the starting line, and uh, I kind of realized something that the, you know, they're getting ready to start the race, and I'm still wearing this sweatshirt. Now, as you, as you can imagine, when people get running, they like, they, they burn up some heat, and they start producing some body heat, so you don't want a ton of, you know, external layers, and, you know, you'll see the crazy runners out there who are, on like, in the, these shorts and the tank tops, which I'm going to get to these shorts, um, but I am not, like I said, I do not like running in the cold. So I have this sweatshirt on, and uh, what, what usually happens for those who are like me who are kind of don't like being cold is at the start of the race, with, you know, wherever the starting line is, everybody will be bundled up. And then as soon as you get going or right as you're kind of getting going, people will take off their, their sweatshirt and then just kind of toss it off to the side as they take off. So I kind of realized like, well, this is, you know, I kind of realized like I'm in the situation like, Ooh, I'm wearing the sweatshirt, and the race is going to start, and I'm still wearing it. Like, what am I going to do here? Um, I was kind of faced with this moment of reckoning. Like, 
do I want to keep the switch or not? And I'm like, I don't want to lose it. I mean, I think sometimes some races will like, some races will either, I think, kind of gather everything up and take to a lost and found at the end of the race, or sometimes they'll just take whatever's left and just donate to charity. And I was like, I don't want to lose this sweatshirt. So uh, I decided to keep it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure. And it's not, nothing exceptional about this item closing. But, you know, I, I, and I definitely appreciate being warm at the beginning of the race. By, you know, a mile through, I was kind of working up a good sweat. And I was pretty warm. And I had the sweatshirt. And I was like, oh, boy, I got the sweatshirt on. And I was going to wear this sweatshirt today. Um, but A, like, it's a bad thing to hang up sweatshirts because it kind of gives them like this funky neck. Um, and then it's just, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. But anyway, so I was wearing this sweatshirt and I, I was going to take it off like it's a dramatic thing. But then I thought, you know, I might flash too much skin so I might, might avoid that. So anyway, I was wearing this sweatshirt and I, I like took it off. So like for the entire race, I'm trying to figure out like what to do with a sweatshirt. So I'm kind of like, kind of like doing one of these you know, running, and I'm kind of doing like, you know, one of these, you know, like the old school prep look, and just this entire like 12 miles, I'm just constantly like finagling with this thing, I didn't end up too bad, I ran like a 156, which, I don't know, uh, it's not bad, I'll say, it's not great, but it's not bad, uh, but I kind of wondered like what, how much better could I have done if I had not had that kind of hassle weighing me down, now I've I've kind of appreciated this story because when I was a kid, um, my dad, who was also a pastor, would often preach a sermon on Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So I don't know if you know Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to quote it. He always preached it in the King James Version. So, I'm gonna, so he would always say, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about why so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Heard that many times, so I know it well. But the thing about this, this text is he had always preached it, and he talked about his theme was laying aside the weights that hold us back. So he would get up there in his suit and tie, and he'd, he'd compare being in, in his suit and tie versus running, versus running in a race with a tank top and shorts. Now this was back in the day, uh, early 90s, where men wore like these shorts. And I, uh, we, are, we are a G-rated presence here. I was carefully choosing whether I was going to have short shorts with a male model so forgive me, or you may be, some of you might be disappointed, some of you might be thankful. I just chose just, just that, thankful. Um, I do not run in, in those shorts. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of, it's, it's quite funny, because he would just, he would display, you know, the, the, the shorts and the tank top that he'd run in, and the theme was, was laying aside the things you wouldn't want to run in dress shoes and, and slacks and a jacket and tie. You, you, you want to run in something light so you can run your best race. And so it's always that this, this text has always stood with me. And it just so happened like a week or two after I ran this Georgetown Idaho Springs Half Marathon, I was preaching at the church I was a seminary intern at. And the text I was going to preach on was the same Hebrews 12 text. So 
it was funny because I was, well, I was preaching on this text and I was thinking about how the fact that I was unable to lay aside a weight that was holding me back. And I realized that sometimes it's not always so easy to determine what we should cast aside and what we should hang on to. You know, I was thinking about that this week because I've, I was watching the show um, Tidying Up. Anybody watch Tidying Up with Marie Kondo? So there she is. Uh, Marie Kondo is, I guess, she's a tidying up expert from Japan. And the show focuses on her staging these, you know, in-home interventions for couples and families feeling overwhelmed by their stuff. Uh, it's kind of similar if you've watched the show, like, Super Nanny. Do we have any Super Nanny fans? Yeah. Um, I must confess, I was doing some research for this message and I watched a few uh, YouTube Super Nanny episodes. Um, it, is, it is odd. Watching shows like this in Super Nanny, it, it feels kind of voyeuristic, if I can use that term, because you're kind of like watching other people's problems without dealing with your own problems. Um, does anyone, I don't know if they still even do it, uh, Slacker and Steve? No? Nobody listens to whatever channel they're on? Okay, I've seen... We're going to have some time for confession after the service. Um, Slacker and Steve, what channel are they on? Do they still do OPP? Okay, yeah. Slacker, I haven't listened to it in a while, but they used to do what they call OPP, where it's other people's problems. And people, like this husband and wife, often would, or a couple, or, or, you know, something would call in with the problems. And then, like, they'd have radio listeners call up and try to give solutions to these you know, other people's problems, like, super healthy way of resolving conflict, let me tell you, like, just have a bunch of strangers on the radio, um, but I digress, uh, Kondo advocates what she calls uh, the KonMari method, which emphasizes only keeping items which spark joy, and it's, it's funny, this morning, like I said, I was gonna, I was gonna actually wear this this morning, and I put it on, and it's like, it's kind of like big, and the neck is stretched out, and I just like, this is not spark joy. <laughs> um, but she encourages people kind of hold to kind of sort out all their items and kind of hold it and, and, and feel like right then, like, does this spark joy or not? And if it doesn't spark joy, you just, you get rid of it. And her KonMari method has, has five categories, um, clothing, books, paper, miscellaneous, and then sentimental. And she has these six rules which undergird her system. So commit to tidying up, imagine your ideal lifestyle, finish discarding first, tidy by category, not location, follow the right order, and then finally ask if it sparks joy. It seems simple, right? Well, as, as we see on the show, if you watched the show, and in, in my example, sometimes it's not so always so easy to discern what we should keep and what we should discard. Because the choice is hard, well, often what do we do? We choose not to make the decision at all, right? I was, I was going to, this is what we normally do, um, right? We just buy more of these things. We just buy more of these things and just hide it somewhere. What is it? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the way we, we, we don't have to make that decision. We just buy storage things, and, you know, the, we're, we're appealed to every year after Christmas where they show us all the commercials about how we can just put more of our junk in different places and more organized junk. 
stuff, whatever we want to call it. But it's hard to make those decisions, so often we seek to avoid making the decisions altogether. And I, I imagine this has probably been true of humanity for a long time. And I think we even see that example in the Bible. I'll get there. So today we're starting a new message series called Called and Sent, exploring how Jesus calls us just as he did his first disciples to follow him, and then sends us, like those first disciples, on a mission to change our world and to make a difference in our world. So here today, we're looking at uh, the book of Luke, who we imagine Luke wrote, and he, he's telling a story about how Jesus first met uh, who would become his first disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they were fishermen. Uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 5, uh, if you'd like to follow along, otherwise, we'll have the words on screen here. My daughter made me this nice note, um, so I'm keeping it. It says something, Jesus loves you a lot, something like that, so nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11, it says, Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing it on him, excuse me, pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake, and the fishermen had gone out and of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down this net. When they'd done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help. And when they came and filled both nets, so much so that their boats began to sink. But when Simon Peter, that's his, his full name, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus and he's saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus called to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching people. When they had brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed him. So, uh, to give you just some, some background in the story, uh, people think that this was early in the morning because uh, what they think is that fishermen used to fish throughout the night. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, kids, you know, keep their junk. So they had come out, we kind of imagined from fishing all night, and Jesus was walking around the, walking around this lake with this crowd of people, and, you know, people were kind of get up on him. And uh, the little fisher boats, uh, there's actually, they've actually found, like, this really ancient uh, Galilean fishing boat. And it's, it's not too much bigger, oddly enough, than this kind of table. Uh, it's, it's quite small by, our, our by what we'd expect to be. So this boat was on, on the shore, and he says... Simon Peter says, let me get into your boat and let me push out a ways to get some, you know, space, personal space, I guess. And it was kind of the practice back in the day is that the teacher would sit, not stand, and everyone else would stand. So we kind of have it reversed today where I stand and you all sit. 
back then it was the teacher sits and everyone else stands. And um, so, so I, I imagine Jesus was like, hey, you don't have any fish in here, what happened? And Peter was like, yeah, we're out fishing all night, nothing happened. So he's like, well, go let down your nets again. And amazingly enough, they pull out all this fish. And there's, there's like this big hole in the story, essentially, because they go from having this amazing catch of fish to Jesus, to Peter saying to Jesus, like, get away from me. I am a sinful man. And you're just like, where does that come from? What happens? And there's something about Peter's reaction to Jesus that signals that Peter was recognizing that something profound was happening in that moment, something profound was happening within Peter himself at that moment, and that scared him because he knew he was facing a moment of reckoning where he would be forced to decide what he was going to do, how he was going to respond to this amazing man he just met. So realizing the moment that was coming upon him and realizing the decision that would soon be required of him, he chooses to what? Just avoid the decision altogether, because that's the easiest thing to do. So seemingly out of nowhere, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, get away from me, because I am a sinful man. It's like in those reality shows where people start acting out when things, when stuff starts getting real, right? Like, it's all fun and games to be on TV. It's all fun and games when you have camera crews come to your house. It's all fun and games when famous people start coming to you, to your house, but then all of a sudden, like, Super Nanny comes in and says, you need to change your style of parenting. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, stuff is getting real. I want to say the other word, but you know my rule on we're in church, right? Stuff is getting real, and the fun wears off pretty quick. So for Peter, a fisherman, who his life was catching fish, and he had this amazing haul. This should have been like the pinnacle of his life, the, the pinnacle of his working career, I guess you'd say. And then all of a sudden, he's faced with this reality, this question, really quick, really sudden, like, what are you going to do in this moment? And he says, I don't want to do with it. I, don't, I can't handle this, Jesus. Just, just get away from me and leave me alone. I mean, I mean literally, if you watch, like, Superman, Superman, there's moments where they're just, the mom and dad are just like, I can't handle this. Leave me alone, Joe. But Jesus, he just, and this is why Jesus is Jesus, right? Jesus just sees through this. And he says, don't be afraid, Peter. An odd thing to say, right? Don't be afraid. Why would Jesus say that? The thing is, Jesus knew, and Jesus knows, that fear, not doubt, fear is the greatest threat to our life of faith. And fear, I believe, is one of the greatest dangers we face as human beings and as followers of Jesus. The fear of, fear of other people, fear of people who look different than us, who talk different than us, who think different than us. And it's that fear that keeps us from letting go of the things that we need to leave behind. And that's why Jesus spoke these powerful words to Peter, do not be afraid. Peter was able, along with James and John, they're, I mean, they, they were fishing, that was their whole life. 
And they just left their nets, they left their boat, and they followed Jesus. Can you imagine that? It's incredible. But this is, this is the thing about God. God calls each one of us to let go of the things that are holding us back. Things we need to move on from, things which are keeping us from the future God dreams for us. This morning, even now, God is calling you. God is calling me. God's calling each one of us, inviting us, beckoning us to come and to follow and to let go of something, or maybe it's some things. Don't be afraid to let go. I know, trust me, it's not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes we're looking at things we're holding on to, whether it be our literal stuff or our proverbial stuff, right? (coughs) Whether it be a relationship, an addiction, a mindset. And sometimes it's hard to look at that stuff. I want to say don't be afraid to do the hard work of examining doing the work of looking at your stuff. Because I believe, I really believe this, and I believe the, the message of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus in the Gospels and the Bible demonstrates this to be true, that when we do the hard work, when we follow that way, we find, we find a way of life, a way of living that's beyond our imagination. So don't be afraid to do that hard work. You can do it. Uh, Excuse me. This week I was, I wanted to get like another tattoo for a while. Um, I always wear sleeves so you can't see them. Uh, but I like, I like tattoos just kind of as a way to tell your story, I guess. But there's something about keeping a, putting something in that's going to be on your body for the rest of your life. So I wasn't sure what a while it's going to be. And I thought about, like, I want to get, like, something that talks about the journey of faith, the path of faith, and I, I it hit me, a labyrinth. I don't know how many of you are familiar with labyrinth has been a, uh, a part of Christian practice for many centuries. And the thing about a labyrinth is it represents you go into something, and you go deep in, and you go around and around and around, and eventually you come to the center, and it's the idea of discovering something within yourself, or a message from God. Then you come back out that same way and you come back out changed. And in many ways, it represents what it's like to do that hard work. You have to go into places that you don't necessarily want to go into. You have to take steps you don't always want to take. But when you come back out, you find yourself changed in ways you couldn't have imagined. It's worth the doing And the good news is, is that you don't have to do it alone. God is with you, but more so, we are with you. As a church, as a community of faith, this is one of the gifts of being a church, that we get to come together and support one another in moments of fear, in moments of uncertainty, in moments of struggle. When we don't feel like we can go on, we don't feel like we can do it, when we don't think we have the courage to make those hard decisions. We, we're with y'all. We are with each other. 
But more than being with each other, I think we get to make space for each other and our stuff. You know, we all have these parts of our lives, right? Like for me in the sweatshirt where, you know, it's not, I'm not sure what to do with it, to be honest. It just sits in my closet because it represents a part of who I am and where I've come from that I don't really love, but it also is my story. So we don't know what to do with them. And, and on one hand, they seem to be holding us back, but somehow, like we can't imagine our life without them. And it's, it's here as a church on Sunday mornings at pub theology, in our, our Bible study groups that will be coming, at supper clubs even, or just getting coffee, that we get to share with one another and support one another and go into those complicated, often complicated decisions of holding on to or letting go. We can support one another in this and make space for each other. But please remember this. I think, I think even more important than letting go is sometimes just doing the hard work of examining and sorting out. You know, again, if you watch Marie Kondo's show, she has this thing where she has all her clients take, whether it's clothing um, or what else, books, she has them pile them all up in one spot. So People are just forced to deal with the immensity of their stuff. This one episode I was watching, this lady piles all her clothes on the bed and just piles up to the ceiling. And she's just kind of like, whoa, I have a lot of stuff. Like, that's not easy. That is not easy stuff. It is intimidating. It is daunting. To become face-to-face with our stuff is hard. Yet we, you know, how do people get in that situation, right? They just keep doing this. This is what we do until it gets to the point where this stuff overflows. Excuse me, I'm tripping. This stuff overflows onto our daily life. Like at some point, we just keep pushing, pushing away, pushing away, pushing away until we can't hold it all off anymore. And it starts to overflow. But what's great about church, what's great about having a community to belong to is that we're not going to, we are not that kind of church, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to come and make you pile all your stuff, real or proverbial, at the front. Not going to have to do that. But we're going to encourage you to do that. We're going to help you do that if you need to. We're going to be with you, support you together if and when you need to do that. And you're not going to have to do it alone. So remember today that we are with you. God is with you. And I invite you today to take a deeper look at your life. Think about the stuff in your life, whether it be real, per- proverbial, whatever. Ask where God, ask God where God might be asking you to take a step forward, to let go of and take comfort in the assurance that wherever you are, God is with you, we're with you, and that God is calling So don't be afraid. Trust God. Trust that we're with you. And that's that's the value of community. That's the value of having uh, people to support one another. And I I can say, I think think we're here today because we recognize that value, right? We recognize the benefit of having people to to journey with us through these sometimes hard, hard things of life and faith. 
So I'd say uh, we all know people who need, who could use what we have here and, and need someone to journey with to make these hard decisions. So think about someone in your life who could use to be a part of this place, who needs what we have here to offer. I think that was cool about the disciples. Um, the Bible says there was 12 disciples, and uh, one thing I was reading my Lexi, my daughter, the story last night in her children's Bible, and it talked about, uh, it said that 12 disciples became, 12 men became followers of Jesus, but also mentioned that some of the ladies we don't get to hear about, Mary Magdalene and Susanna, and I'm blanking on the third one it mentioned. Um, but think about that they kind of created a space for each other, for Peter to be problematic, and I mean, Judas with all his problems, I mean, what a conflicted soul. They made space for each other. They loved each other, they supported one another all the way through. So even, even this day, we kind of share in this legacy.